Hey, it's Margot Tantow here. Welcome to Windowsill Chats, a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious. I am so glad you're here. I've spent decades working with artists and being one myself. I've spent time in the trenches, figuring out the best way to get something made, how to put oneself out there, how to get your work noticed, and pull yourself up and face the next challenge. Windowsill Chats brings you creativity from a global perspective, as I talk in depth to friends I've met along the way. I'm here to bring their stories to you, as well as a few of my own, and see if there's anything you can pull out for yourself. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee or a glass of wine and join me over in my sunny windowsill. Yes, I need your trouble. you to one of my dear friends, Christine Hoffman. Christine is from St. Paul, Minnesota, and she's just one of those super creative people. She thinks creative. She lives creatively. Whatever she touches looks amazing. She's just super fun to be around. She is the owner and designer at Foxglove, the Twin Cities first exclusively local and chemical-free flower studio. In 2017, Christine also founded Twin Cities Flower Exchange, a cut flower market for wholesale buyers. As a local flower advocate, Christine is striving to form a strong community of sustainable flower farmers, small business owners, and folks who care about supporting these mindful endeavors. By providing a local sustainable option to traditional flowers, putting a premium on collaboration, and reaching out to the community, she hopes to foster change in the floral industry. Another little tidbit about Christine is her house was featured in Curb Appeal on HGTV some time ago. We forgot to delve into that, but I have that memory somewhere back in my head. Just another way to say that she is just a clever one. And I hope you enjoy this conversation between friends. So I get to talk to Christine today, who I, Christine, let's see, I have known you since probably the early 2000s. Yeah, I think that's right, right around. The first way I was made aware of you was walking into Hopped Antiques when it was one little house and the display in there was, (laughs) this is horrible (laughs) to say, but it's like, this is like something I would do. (laughs) It's like. Absolutely. It was so it was like, okay, who is this person? Somebody said, so oh, much for Christine. my unique point of view, Margo. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mean like I could do what you did. I mean, like it was like, okay, this person has similar standards to me, but is doing it in a much better way and has much more patience than I do. <laughs> it looked just, you just make everything look fantastic. And it was like, oh, this is Christine. This is Christine. And then Miss Jane Dagme and Country Living came along with that article and you, you, I remember you put the those treats. It was like M and M's and peanuts and nuts and stuff in those little um, peat pots. <laughs> peat pots, yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Anyway, I got to meet you, and it's 
it was love at first sight. So there you go. Absolutely. The rest is history. The rest is history. Christine, just everything she touches, magic happens. Amazing at display. Amazing curator. I think that's one of the reasons that I, I love what you do so much because I've been called, you know, a curator and not and there's so much artistry in what you do and in, in, in your eye and in bringing things together. Um, I'd just love to know a little bit about kind of how it all, how it all began. Like way back you have, you, I think, feel like you came from a very aware and creative family. Is that true? Yeah. I get aware and creative. I guess those are good descriptions. Um, both my, you know, my parents were creative, certainly. Um, my dad had a lot of hobbies and they both were, you know, gardeners and my mom, both collectors. Oh my goodness. Definitely collectors. I grew up going to auctions and, you know, which instilled, yeah, that in me for sure. And I, you know, I think most importantly is I ever remember them in any way limiting what I could do with my life. That's fantastic. Or needing to me to be successful or on a certain path in whatever way. And really just always kind of instilling that thought that just, you know, do what you love. That's the best. That's a lucky thing. It is. I, it is. I was lucky to have the same. And I know a lot of people don't always have don't, that, but, yeah. and you find it from other ways, but I think you having that, do you feel like you always were following some sort of creative path to your, to your future? Or no, not you, at all. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> Perfect. no, no. Uh, uh, because these, these um, skills you talk of me having, uh, <laughs> <laughs> she does are not not skills that I thought a were skills or something that could ever be work um right right. and so I you know I I actually did go into college with the thought of getting an art history major and did end up with that as a major but I actually had a double major in Latin and really dove into the language and thought I would probably go to grad school and teach Latin I love these calls because I find out things I did not know that's awesome yeah, which would have been an awesome path, right? Great. And, you know, I still read Latin from time to time oh and try goodness. to keep up with it. But um, but anyway, the, the path began when I got, I rented an apartment right out of college and it was above a retail space. And um, these local entrepreneurs who are now big names in the Twin Cities Mm. gift shop market, um, mm-hmm. rented this space to open their first store. And I started hanging out, helping them pick out paint colors, helping them paint just while they were opening the store. And they asked me to come work for them, which I did. And it was really that moment of, wait, people will pay me to do this. I, this is just something I always did. You know, I just, it's definitely 3d, you know, yeah. basically I still see it as a really niche skill. I mean, you can give me, basically you can give me a pile of stuff and I'll make it look good. I mean, whatever it is. That's an understatement. So yeah, so that's how it started. And merchandising, who knew that was a career? Not me. And so, I mean, it really does have to be very creative. And and if anybody listening is like, merchandising, what do you mean? Well, you know, (laughs) anthropology has kind of made that famous, to pick a word, Mm -hmm. you know, by by turning a a plain window into something amazing with, you know, recycled water bottles or something that are painted. But I think doing it every day in your everyday life in whatever business you're 
in charge of at that moment or you're doing is is what you do. And that's why I think that's how success has come. Because if somebody sees something that's intriguing to them visually, that's the draw. That's a it's a market, you know, it's a way of marketing. It's the draw in. We we see it in social media now, but you do it in an actual physical space. And you're right. Like you could give her a pile of I'm gonna, I don't know what. <laughs> anything. And it looks amazing when it's when it's finished, like you never had seen it that way before. So you worked at that particular retail venue for quite a while. And then did you kind of sort of freelance for other people? Or how, how did that move on? Yeah, I ended up moving out of state and, you know, just life things happened. And but I did work retail that whole time, you know, merchandising always kind of fell into what I was doing on a daily basis. And I mean, you know, I was young and not a very good self-promoter, really low key. I mean, so many, right? We're Can still we, old. How and many times have you key. heard that story? <laughs> like, not a good self-promoter. I'm a creative person. Older. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think that still trips me up. It's still trips me up. Yeah. When you but, have the visual though, it helps because you can not, you don't talk about it. You can just show right. it. <laughs> exactly. Yes. That does help a lot. And I guess, you know, just luckily I kept being in really great company of other creative people who would see something and recognize what I do and say, Hey, why don't you try this? And so, mm. you know, just a really, really fortunate string of lovely people, yourself included, who recognized what I did. And I would always say that I didn't like change, but apparently I know now that I really like change. So, you know, that was, as we've talked about, a very meandering path for sure. And I did a lot of different things over the course of freelancing. And, you know, that also included a couple of my own retail stores, mm -hmm. which, you know, really highlighted those niche skills I have. <laughs> It's true. And I, you know, our paths are different, but similar in those ways, you know, re having a retail store, which I've done as well a couple of times, mm -hmm. you meet, you can directly hear from your clients, you know, and, and yeah. hear what they want and have contacts that you might not have had before, like getting into the workshops that you did and then the food to, or, you know, farm to table, which, you know, I'm jumping way ahead in your career, but just, you know, the interests that sort of evolve from that and the people that come in and ask you to do things and, and it, and it sort of drives the next path, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's what, you know, at times seemed frustrating to me because I would pause and think, what am I really doing? Am I building a quote unquote career? Should I have stuck with X, Y, or Z? But I, I wouldn't undo it. I wouldn't do it. You know, it was, I mean, such a fabulous experience. And I, I don't off, I don't really call it in that. I, I refer to it lately as the mycelium, like this little underground connection, just this really, really incredible, lovely, you know, web of people that mm -hmm. have come into my life because of that. And always discovering new ways to use those skills, I guess. Mm -hmm. So what was your first retail store? My first retail store was called Lulu. And it was in Black River Falls, Wisconsin, very small town. And again, I, the idea for retail store came from my husband, actually. Uh, we were moving back to the Midwest from Virginia where we met. And he's, I think, I mean, I think now this was partially self-preservation because I was accumulating so much stuff. <laughs> um <laughs> She's an excellent antiquer. We haven't even yeah. touched on that. But it's also that he likes to go to auctions. So he said, I think 
be really good at, you know, I think you should open a store. I think you'd be really good at that. So I did, I rented a little, we moved to this small town and I rented a tiny storefront. I want to say it was, I think it was a ridiculous sum, like $200 a month or something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my family came and helped fix up the space and loaded it up with all sorts of vintage goods and opened. And of course, most of the town thought I was completely insane. (laughs) And people found you. Yeah, but people found me. So yeah, it just took off from there. I actually only had that shop open for, uh, I want to say six months because I lost the lease to the owner's uh, daughter who wanted to expand her office. So yeah, so it was short lived, but. But you got a taste of it. But yeah, really jumped me into it. Well, I love, you know, Christine lives in St. Paul, Minnesota. And and when I lived nearby, we would have these, you know, we'd get together and just, you know, those brainstorming dinners or, you know, walks or whatever that you have. Mm-hmm. Where you're like, what does all this add up to? What <laughs> am I supposed to do next? What? What? And I just, I love that like-minded I, I hope some of you are smiling and nodding your heads and, you know, thinking about that, those people for you, because it just, I feel like when you have a friend like that, where you can just brainstorm with, and it, it kind of gets the, the quirkiness of, or the randomness, which is really not random of collecting, you know, making amazing pies, which Christine does, or collecting amazing vintage beaded jewelry or, you know, flowers. So, you know, there's a lot in between and some beautiful other beautiful retail and things like that. But Mm -hmm. what you're doing now, I think I've watched it light you up in a way that feels just super rewarding to watch. So a little bit about your other retail store and kind of how that led into what, what you're doing now. Be cool to know about. Yeah. I like hearing that phrase that it lights me up from someone. That's good to hear. From an outsider looking in and from the (laughs) conversations we've had. (laughs) Yeah. So had a little break from retail. And then again, someone suggested that I should open a retail shop in a certain spot that was coming open. And I had no thought to do that again. But as soon as I said it, I said, well, hey, that sounds like a brilliant idea. Let's do it. So I jumped in and opened Foxglove Market and Studio. And it was a great location. In St. Paul. Yeah. And it's a beautiful location. And as part of the the offering, so it was home goods, paper goods, a little vintage mixed in, of course. But I also wanted flowers in the shop in buckets for people to buy. And I further wanted them to be local and chemical free, not knowing if that was even possible at the time. So I did a little research and found a couple of farmers growing flowers and started carrying those flowers in the store. As part of that started educating people and my customers about local flowers and why I thought they were a better idea. I mean, personally, from my own perspective and aesthetic perspective, really. And then, of course, found out that it was kind of a thing, you know, local flowers and why it was where flowers were coming from and they were being imported and what kind of chemicals are using and started finding out all of this stuff that I didn't even know. So how how would we expect the broader public to know that? Another little known fact that I used to co-work at a, a little flower boutique. So I, I could, I got a little bit of what Christine was doing, but what I never, you know, what we don't think about 
always is where things like that come from, where natural things come from, where flowers come from. You know, you send a beautiful bouquet and isn't that a pretty whatever rose? And I think probably both Christine and I, because of our aesthetic, are people that would have been foraging for something that was quirkier that we could cut out of our backyard when we made a bouquet. But where do you buy that? And if you do buy that, is there a network for that? Is there? No, there hasn't been much of one except in small pockets of places. You know, I used to go to the San Francisco flower market at two in the morning and there was one or two growers like that at the way back. So I just have to say you kind of making that inroad and stopping to say, where is this stuff coming from? Because in Minneapolis, I mean, it's not, it's not warm there all year, (laughs) the quite the opposite. So, you know, there's, there's a certainly a business, but I felt like, you know, in January or February for Valentine's, Christine always had pussy willow and things like that, these beautiful dried things. But I just want to underline the fact that you, you really started paying attention to something that wasn't easy at all and wasn't happening there at all. So you like, how did that, mm-hmm. how did your thought process kind of unfold? Uh, that's a good question, Margo. How did it unfold? <laughs> it really just was, you know, you just get curious about something. I mean, like I said, I was just coming at it purely from an aesthetic standpoint, mostly, I just didn't like the imported flowers and stuff that I had seen out there and thought, you know, flowers just grow. You know, I have a garden, we always had a garden growing up, and there's got to be some way to do this. And then just diving in and slowly learning about the industry and where this stuff was coming from and why American flower farms, you know, really went under from about, you know, the 70s to the early 90s and how those flowers are being produced. So it was just curiosity, really, and thinking, well, there's got to be some other way to do this. Should I be the person to do that? I don't know, but maybe I should. And then, you know, started working with farmers and seeing that this product is out there, but there isn't a big enough market for it. Isn't that a catch 22? Yeah. And, you know, in my very knowing now, you know, I think, well, I know these farmers and I know people who want to buy the flowers. I could just connect those two, right? Easy peasy, right in the middle there. And so, yeah, so I'm, I'm back in the retail store thinking about, we need a wholesale flower market. Right? I'm doing retail flowers, but we need to sell more of these flowers. Farm grown, local, chemical free, mm-hmm. big point for me. Did I know anything about wholesale? No. Did I think about not knowing anything about wholesale? No. And again, I, you know, I want to say that there's something to, you know, during the merchandising, that's a skill that comes easy to me, right? That I could do that with my, not literally with my eyes closed, I guess, but I could do that all day long. No problem. This I think it should have been a clue that no one said, hey, we think you'd be really good at this. You should come run a wholesale flower market. This is the first time (laughs) I just decided to do this entirely of my own, you know, my own doing. And so because I did not have the skill sets to do this particular job, but I thought it needed to exist. Oh, that's so good. I mean, that's how that's how the magic happens when you when you're willing to figure something out. And I, I mean, that is such an understatement when you, (laughs) when you have an idea and it doesn't exist and you can't figure it out, or maybe there's one here and one there, but you have the, I don't know, chutzpah and curiosity. I, I wrote down what happens when you're 
curious about something like that's, you know, I, I just feel like it's so empowering. It's so it lights. There's that light you up thing again, because it's like, hey, I don't know about this, but why don't I find out that could be totally fascinating. And for you, you know, you that's involving. It's not just about you. It's about the people, the growers. Mm -hmm. It's about the people you could serve. It's about something that doesn't exist at all. That seems so interesting and so juicy and beautiful. And and then what? you know? Right. And then what? And yeah, I definitely approached it with my, you know, I mean, if I look at my vision of what I thought this wholesale market was going to be, I approached it with that aesthetic retail vision, right? I'm thinking of this beautiful, you know, brick warehouse space. And, but I actually went, I actually started looking, you know, started by trying to source metal buckets for, and now knowing what I know now, that is just the most ridiculous and impractical thing if you're going to run a wholesale flower market, right? Yeah. But when you're visual to your core, (laughs) at least the right color plastic, if you're going to have to do that. I mean, come on. Exactly. Yeah. So all of these, you know, my vision versus reality, but it's, I mean, talk about a learning experience, right? And so many learning so much about myself. I mean, I won't, I won't mince words. It was the first three years of running that wholesale market were not lovely all the time. Mm -hmm. And they were probably the hardest three years of any work that I've ever done. And it really came down to deciding if I could and would want to continue it. Mm -hmm. And if so, how to do that in a more sustainable way for me. You know, unfortunately, I don't think that's an uncommon story when people are starting something new. And I wish that weren't true. I'm trying to figure out how to sort of make that not true, but I don't know, especially when something doesn't really exist or maybe, you know, at least it's new to you certainly Mm -hmm. and scrappy is, is an understatement and, and you wake up every day and think, oh gosh, I have to keep this going or, or I don't, but do I want to keep this going? And, you know, when it has to pay the bills and things like that, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. not necessarily an option, it's just like, what do we do? And especially when it's a vision Sometimes it's who we've told, like, oh my gosh, people are counting on me. You know, that helps us keep going too. So how how many years have you been doing this now? Going into year five. And, you know, it, there's something else too about when you're committing to something and you're putting things out there that's when things start to show up or you're open to it in a different way. Like the space that you sell out of now mm-hmm. was pretty remarkable that that kind of, or it seems so to me from looking from the outside, but you have a, have a space that's working and, and you know, there's, you have just giant fans and how many growers are you working with now? This past season, we had 13. We're looking to expand quite a bit this season. So we're going to add some new farms. So tell me a little bit about, like, if you were explaining your business to somebody that didn't know anything about it, like, how would you describe it? We are a sustainable cut flower wholesale market. And that means, I mean, it's just if ever, if anyone, people might be more familiar with, say, a trade show. So, you know, going to one of the trade shows to buy for whatever retail shop, or if you're creative and you're going to one of the trade shows to sell your product to potential wholesale buyers. So Basically, that's what we're doing with local chemical-free cut flowers. Right. We're a wholesale market. And yeah, if anyone, I I never thought of the term middleman either when I was starting this, which has been an interesting place to be and trying to redefine that quite a bit. And I mean, if you think about it, like your customers are Mm -hmm. people who are making beautiful arrangements for, you know, restaurant spaces back in the day when we had them, um, (laughs) weddings, you know, Mm -hmm. anything, you know, lobbies, 
events, anything like that. But if you're a bride and you're holding something soft and flowy and it has unique buds and blossoms and colors and leaves in it, Mm -hmm. those unique things don't show up in the regular wholesale flower business. I mean, sort of maybe, but the really unique things come from something natural, something- A local grower. A local grower. And and oh my gosh, to walk in to Christine's space when she's selling, first of all, it's to me, oh, it takes me back to that two o'clock in the morning, San Francisco flower market <laughs> because it's cool because it has to be, you know, the temperature is actually lower. And there's these buckets, not metal, of, you know, beautiful, amazing, intriguing flowers that somebody has picked from their farm in the morning. And and you, I just, it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever experience because there's things you you've never seen before that your mind starts going with color and shape and detail and it's it's just a magical experience and I just love that you're continuing to make it happen it is pretty dreamy and I mean I I do get my I do get my merchandising a little bit I mean I do I play with the flowers way I spend way too much time moving them around and um, sorting them into color palettes but I but that you know again even seasoned professionals who have a really great eye react to that more Um, so it does sell the product yeah so our farmers our 13 farmers would drop off product we put it in the cooler overnight we bring it out I futz around with it until it looks just the way I want it to and then our buyers who as you said a lot of them are studio florists who do weddings and events restaurant retail florists they come in and buy the flowers and usually they would be ordering those um, either from a traditional wholesaler who imports them or they would be ordering them direct from holland or ecuador colombia and getting them shipped in direct Um, so instead we're offering this local and again chemical free carbon footprint reduced Mm -hmm. for sure. I remember when we first, when you were talking to me about it and I was just kind of becoming more aware, it was such a huge farm to table movement, but then, you know, what these beautiful restaurant tables laden with amazing, you know, fresh things were, Mm -hmm. where were their flowers coming from? You know, Ecuador. So that, that was a big shift. And I think in my thinking back, those were some of the people that were really embracing what you were doing early on because Mm -hmm. they got it right away. Yeah. There's just those disconnect. And again, even if you're so aware in your particular industry, there are very often disconnects with little other pieces that you may not think of in the grand equation. You know, where are those flowers coming from? Where are you sourcing, you know, whatever's on your table, linens or, you know, whatever it may be. And so, you know, fast forward five years, which was where we are, you know, there's certainly more awareness for fresh flowers and arrangements and things like that. I think it's the wholesale part that, that separates you a bit from the pack. I mean, certainly social media and florette and places like that that teach you how to make a beautiful arrangement and grow the best sweet peas. But there's not a lot of people doing what you're doing in the same kind of trying to grow this from an industry level, would you say? Like, is that still the case? Because I know there was a bit on the West Coast, but... Yeah, I think that's still somewhat the case. Um, Seattle has had a local growers cooperative market for many years, and I think they're probably the biggest example of that in the country. Of course, the West Coast has a better climate for year round. Exactly. So as far as I know, I'm, I was the first local and chemical, all local, all chemical free market in the country. And then of course, 
I mean, the, the wave was sort of hitting and coming. And so a lot of, a lot of hubs opened in other cities in those next two years. And a lot of them are more of a cooperative model. So, you know, farmers get together and they figure out a way to pool their resources and sell their flowers, you know, in a central hub. I thought of, thought about that model and talked to our farms about it and they weren't ready to go that way. And I felt the time was right and I found a location. So I just jumped into it as my own for-profit business, which is, which is definitely, I think, different from what is happening. And it's, it's strange to be in this place after being creative and a solo creative person for so long and talking about this as an industry and a business and, Mm -hmm. you know, throwing these new terms around and it's exciting. And you, yeah, you saying it lights me up is, is really good to hear because it does. Um, It was, as I said, it's been one, it's been absolutely the hardest thing I've done. So I didn't always feel like it lit me up, but it, it definitely does. And that's why I'm still here in year five, figuring this out. And it really is about expanding this model and creating to me it's creating it's about finally creating a a viable local flower economy for the farms for the buyers for those consumers that get those local flowers at the end and that's that's much different than a lot of what I see happening I mean a lot of the stuff you see on Instagram and farmer florists and that's one part of this business and one model of this business right where it's more of a boutique thing and you have your flowers and you do your arrangements and there's a lot of that going on. I am approaching this, especially now after seeing the growth as, yeah, a really industry changer and how can we really create a stable supply of these flowers just means larger quantities, but keeping, you know, that, that balance is keeping, still keeping that local chemical free small farms, really supporting them. And that is a that's, I think I found the trickiest balance for me is staying true to those values that I started this with. Cause you start, you start throwing around those terms, like, you know, industry and profit margins and blah. And that feels very foreign and kind of ugh, icky to me, but it, it shouldn't be, you know, right. it's, it's part of it. Yeah. It's but part if you of can it. Keep your values, keep a hold, uh, you know, your values, your main goal to check those every day. You know, I mm-hmm. I think when you talk about changing the industry, that's the part. That's when I get like <laughs> because you can have, you know, and sometimes and I I think about that with art and design, you know, and because I don't know, floral is art and design to me, but in in the in the making of a product or in the design, you know, drawing of an illustration, how you get those into the world, you have all these small, like, I can move this to this point, you know, it's like a checkerboard, I can move this over here. But then who's looking at the whole checkerboard, like, I like to look at this design industry or getting art in front of people as the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And so it, it gives me like a little like, oh, yeah, can think about it the way Christine thinks about the flowers. It's like keeping all those people employed, but in a way, like how come this doesn't work as well? Or why are we just doing it the same way as we always have? Let's Mm -hmm. stop and think about what really matters and how to put people's flowers in front of people in a different way, how to put people's work in in front of people in a different way. That just gets me completely lit up. So it's not an easy prospect, but I think no, and you've been in that wholesale situation. 
Oh Lord. Yes. Yeah. And it's not, it's like you said, it's, it's those values. I think if you, and, and, and we can't help it really. Like if that's how we're wired to that, those things are important. We might go work for somebody that doesn't have the same values, not saying Mm -hmm. anything out loud, but it doesn't work. You have to switch and, and stick to them hopefully. But that being said, so you're five years in, you've seen this growth. Um, what, what are you doing to, what keeps your creative juices going in when you can only get pussy willows and, you know, like, what are you, do, what are you doing for you along this path to keep you, to keep you focused? Mm-hmm. For me, uh, that's really only happened again this, this past winter. It was hard to, I tried the first year to do both because of course I didn't know what was going to happen with the wholesale So I was still trying to run Foxglove out of my basement studio and do weddings a lot of weekends and then run the wholesale market during the weekend. It nearly killed me. So I really eased off of my own creative stuff in order to build this. And I was, I was a little bit sad about it, but actually looking back, I think it's okay. I think it was okay to take a break. As I said, this, this, the wholesale market has taught me so much about myself and so much challenging and confronting of who I am and how I work and why and and finally finding a little more balance and time to come back to the creative stuff this winter was really rewarding and I found so much joy in just being in the studio creating again and when I what I'm doing now is mostly floral so that's when I'm creating, say creating, that's what I'm doing. But I also opened a little online foxglove shop and, you know, just did my usual mix of vintage and flowers and whatever I find appealing and inspiring. And I loved what was so wonderful was the reaction it got. I mean, I hadn't really done anything with foxglove for months and months because I'm so busy during the season with wholesale and just to have those people come back. And as soon as I put it out there again, they're there supporting me. And it was, it felt good, really good. So I think it's just, it feels like now I finally found, I can find that ease and balance in, in knowing that that's, that's always there for me. That's like, mm-hmm. that's the core of me. That's that creative, just easy, you know, it's in my body, it's there. And then knowing that I also, sort of conquered this big, challenging new realm of logistics and communication and lots of people and business and profit margins and spreadsheets. And I can move that forward too. (laughs) Who knows, right? You know, there's something about just, yeah, forging a new path and challenging yourself that boy, it was not easy. And I I would recommend if you're going to do that, (laughs) I don't know, maybe have a little more plan and intention than I did. I'm not this starry eyed Oh, heaven's sakes. We're creative. That is not part of the process. That's asking too much, but yeah, it was a, it was a lot. Boy, to be, to be on the other side is, feels pretty good. So that's a great question, which I I hadn't thought of till right now. And you probably won't like this one, but (laughs) like three, cause we all would love to do, you know, whether it's starting a freelance business for a creative, whether it's trying to make a a bigger wholesale to pick a word change, Mm -hmm. um, what are three things you would tell your five year ago self to remember? <laughs> this might take a minute. <laughs> oh man, it might take a minute. Let's see. I'm going to think the same. And I, you know, my, um, I had with a wonderful business partner, Aaron, um, a wholesale business called Relish. I'm trying to think what I would, what I would tell my, go with your gut for God's sake. Oh yes, for sure. Always. It knows, man. Always. Try and separate the gut from the peer pressure. I don't I think I would just remind myself that I'm capable of more than I think I am. Mm-hmm. That's always a good one. 
That is a good one. We, we have a deep well, we humans. Mm-hmm. I might say, don't compare yourself too much to what other people are doing. Yeah. I'm, I don't get as deep into that as some sometimes, but for me, I always like to do what somebody else isn't doing. So right. for me, it's more of a measurement <laughs> of like what I don't want to do, but I know for some that can be a hang up. Yeah. We'll start a list. That'll be podcast number two. I know. I think it would be, to me, it would almost be a list of things I should think about and do and enact before I start something. Does that make any sense? Yes. It's all, that's always easy. Enact seems done. really powerful. Like things I would, whether it's, you know, a daily meditation practice mm-hmm. or, you know, just checking yourself. I would say that as I've done more in the industry, which is another word for say getting older, things like a meditation practice instead of, you know, make sure you have your outline and your spreadsheet. No, let's make sure you breathe, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, I am not, I'm a pretty practical person down to earth, but um, I will tell you that meditation and breath work have gotten me from year three to year five. Mm. And that was just, I mean, I've talked about, you know, challenging those thoughts of how you react and why you work the way you do. And, you know, there's just different ways to examine that. And for me, it was through breath mostly. Yeah. Well, you've, you've had a lot of life stuff happen in the past five years too. Not just. Who hasn't. <laughs> Hello this week. Yeah. <laughs> right. Five years. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> I know. Hey, has, a, has, do you feel, I don't ever want to be this person who, but I guess I'm being that person who's like, Oh, what's the silver lining to the pandemic for me? But I feel like there were. Yeah. You, I absolutely do. I, I, there's a lot of things that would not have happened Mm -hmm. without there's people I've met. There's, you know, this podcast would not be what it is. There's time with my kiddo slowing down and, and doing things that we would have flown to do that we, you know, don't have to. I mean, greenhouse mm-hmm. emissions are emissions are drastically down. And, you know, I, I just do think there's something about being closer to the people you, you, you're allowed to be with, you know, my family. And mm-hmm. what about you? What, and business wise, I think it's interesting too. Do, are we involved in businesses that we can, you know, how can we shift them or are they going to work, in mm-hmm. a, you know, in a, in a way that's my sister's a nurse. So, she's, she's on the front lines every day, but I don't know. What about, what do you think for you and, and you guys and the, and the business and life? And yeah, I think it's been fascinating to see devastating. Yeah. For sure. Fascinating to see which businesses you would not have guessed would be thriving or so affected on the other or hand, so too. affected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, um, you know, what that all means. I don't know, but just looking at different industries, it's been really fascinating. Totally. Yeah. For me personally, I mean, personally, and therefore (laughs) business-wise, hugely, it's finally let me go, finally let me let go of a lot of perfectionism and control. Mm, That's big. That's huge. For any I mean, and I saw that actually in clients too. I mean, I think everyone just had to relax a little bit, myself included. No option. Who's inspiring you these days? Do you have three? Uh, Sure. I have three that aren't necessarily... Oh, whatever. They're just my three who have been inspiring me. So first is um, a musician, Waxahachie. Nice. And just music is super important in my creative life. I think that's probably true for so many people. And that has been on heavy repeat 
in the studio as I've been coming back to creative stuff. So awesome. I'm going to put that on as soon as we hang up. Yeah. So that's a good one. I have been revisiting. I mean, uh, everyone's well, not everyone, but most people will know him from the presidential portraits, Obama portraits, but Mm. Kehinda Wiley. Yep. I have just, I saw an exhibit actually in Seattle in I think 2015 or 16. And that has just, his work has just been calling me back recently. And it's for, you know, many reasons. Amazing human. Yeah. And just the, the aesthetic parts of his work. I mean, there's the color and the the floral elements, which resonate with me, but then there's also just the people and the social justice element. And so that's really been pulling me in a lot. Do you know Heather Jones? She's a quilt maker artist. Okay. Do you know, she went and did a, she was chosen to do a workshop with him. I didn't know that. I'll put, Mm. I'll put a little note to that. And that was interesting. Have to have her on. (laughs) And then um, just Stacey Abrams. <laughs> Damn her. I love that Stacey Abrams. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Just, yeah, enough said. I, yeah, I can't. Yeah, she, you know, to see, there's, there's an example of somebody who, she had her sights set on one thing, like to win an mm-hmm. election for a role in a place, right? Mm-hmm. And she did not. And so it's like, oh, but then she took that, turned it around and yeah, made Wow. change for the world those are my three no instagram accounts i don't know <laughs> i mean them they might have them but i don't know thank you for bringing your perspective your freshness your color your philosophy to this today i i love talking to you i thank always you. do you always inspire me you always make me think of like oh i can go do this the feelings mutual thank you darling so happy to be here That's it for this episode of Windowsill Chats. Thanks so much for being here with me. It's just so great to be able to bring you these conversations with the fantastic people and wonderful friends that I've met and made along the way. Make sure you subscribe to Windowsill Chats on your favorite podcast app and please share it with a friend. And if this episode spoke to you, I'd really appreciate it if you would also leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can just go to the bottom of the episode you've just listened to, and it'll let you leave a review. If you have any questions or want to check out more details or inspiration that we talked about, head over to the show notes at windowsillchats.com or tantowstudio.com. They'll both take you to the same place. I can't wait to share more stories with you again next week. I value your time and I absolutely believe in your potential. Have a great one, everyone, and stay creatively curious.